is Allison Carter with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 71, and today I wanted to go over some information on how drug exposure can affect infant development. I work with a lot of families in early intervention that are foster families for infants and toddlers. Unfortunately, there are way too many babies who are born drug exposed. There are also way too many babies who test positive for one, and most of the time more than one, drug at birth. I say there are way too many, but in my opinion, even one is too many. The thing is, just in my small area of the world, there are babies born all the time who have been exposed to drugs in utero. For the purpose of this show, I'm not going to get into what specific drugs will potentially do because I don't have all of that information, except for when I'm talking about the research studies today. And like I said many times, I see babies who tested positive for more than one drug at birth, so it is difficult for me to know exactly which drug is causing which issue with development. So I'm just going to call it drugs in general for today. And I'm talking about illicit drugs, things like marijuana, methamphetamine or meth, opioids, which are basically pain pills like Oxycontin, Demerol, and Percocet, just to name a few, and also LSD, heroin, and cocaine, so those type of of drugs. In my area, we tend to see a lot of babies who were born exposed to meth among others, but that's a big one. Now I realize that there are other drugs out there like caffeine and nicotine and prescription drugs that mothers sometimes need to take for their own health reasons. Those are not specifically the things that I'm going to be talking about because in the babies that I work with, I usually don't know if those things have been going on. I just hear about those illicit drugs that babies who are born to mothers who are considered drug addicted that will get tested for at birth. And the reason that I generally hear about them is because if those things are detected at birth, the babies are placed in a foster home once they are discharged from the hospital. So I end up seeing them with foster families. I want to start the discussion with you about the fact that drugs do affect babies. This may seem like an obvious statement, but I don't know what it is. I find that I have to explain this to people quite a bit. These foster parents are not only caring for a baby, but they're caring for a baby who has been placed at risk for having some level of damage or injury to their brain. The foster parents that I get to work with are genuinely caring and loving people who just really want to help take care of babies and kids and who need it for whatever reason. I'm sure there are exceptions to this, like with anything in life, but the ones I have personally met have all been really wonderful people. Generally speaking, they have agreed to take in these children and care for them the best they can. And a large part of that is giving them stability, love, support, and meeting their basic needs. When you've been thrown into the middle of a situation like this, You aren't always thinking about the details of things like looking for signs in their development that could be related to the drug exposure. You are often just literally in survival mode and making sure they are being 
taken care of and feeling safe. <clears throat> Again, really gross generalizations here, but you get the idea. And I think part of it also could be that it's not always something that you can see just from looking at the baby. There might be some physical signs that you notice, but for the most part, when people who don't know them see them, they wouldn't think twice about anything. But when you start to think about the pieces of development that the baby or child might be having some trouble with, then it starts to fit together. When you've seen enough babies who were exposed to drugs in utero, you can start to recognize the signs more easily. There are similarities, but also many differences between these babies, as with any baby. But what we need to keep in mind is that their brains have been affected, or they are at risk for having been affected. And their brains have experienced some level of damage or injury by the drug exposure. If we remember this and know nothing else, I think it can help foster families keep everything in perspective. Now, I haven't gone over any research studies for quite a while, so I figured I'd throw one in here today. The title of this study is Prenatal Cocaine Exposure and Motor Performance at Four Months. It was published in the September-October 2011 issue of the American Journal of Occupational Therapy. The purpose of the study was to study the quality of movement at four months of age in infants who were exposed to cocaine in utero. The posture and fine motor assessment of infants was used to measure motor skills for this study. The assessment includes items that look at things like postural alignment, weight-bearing, and their ability to adapt to challenges of gravity, which makes me think of things like balance reactions, reacting to movements by trying to keep themselves from falling over. And for the fine motor items, things like reaching, grasping, and releasing objects. There were two groups in the study. One group were babies who were exposed to cocaine in utero and were born preterm. They were tested when they were four months old adjusted, meaning if they were actually six months old, but they were born two months early, they would be four months adjusted. And a second group of four-month-olds that were not exposed to cocaine and were born full-term. There was a total of 903 infants in the study. 370 of them were in the group who were exposed to cocaine prenatally, and 533 in the non-exposed group. The infants were tested at their four-month checkup at the hospital clinic. Their parents were encouraged to be there for the testing, and most of the time it lasted about 30 minutes. The researchers determined that the infants who were exposed to cocaine had worse posture scores than the infants who were not exposed. But they did not find a significant difference in the fine motor scores between those two groups. One other finding they discovered was that the infants who were born before 33 weeks gestation, so approximately seven weeks before their due date, and they were exposed to cocaine in utero, also had lower posture scores than the infants that were born after 33 weeks, 
but they also found that their fine motor scores were significantly lower. What I take from the study is that cocaine exposure will have a bigger impact on gross motor skills than fine motor skills. Unless the infant was born before 33 weeks gestation, then both areas are likely going to be affected. There are other studies and reviews in the literature about potential effects of other drugs and their exposure in utero, and I have the links to those in my show notes today. You can just look under this episode, and you should be able to find them. One of the reviews that I found talks about methamphetamine or meth, and they found that newborns who were born exposed to meth might have a lower weight, length, head circumference, and maybe slower to grow. And the growth they found could be slow for even the first three years of their life. Another study in that review talks about three- to four-year-olds having difficulty with visual motor integration tasks, things that you might think of as hand-eye coordination activities. And a different study noted that meth exposure has slight fine motor difficulties during the first year of life, but after that, and by three years of age, there is no difference. However, they did determine that these kids had increased behavioral problems and may have more difficulties once they get to be school-aged and trying to learn how to get along with other kids at school. So that it was determined that the prenatal meth exposure put them at risk for having more cognitive problems, which can also affect their ability to learn and, and get along at school. So that's all I'm going to say about specific drug effects for today. Like I said, I got this information from research studies, so um, you can check the links for the other studies that I have on there, too. I am ready now to get a little more in-depth from an observer's point of view on this subject. I would like to point out that this information is now coming from my experiences in working with babies who I know have been exposed to drugs. And that not all babies who have been exposed to drugs will have all of the following symptoms or signs or issues in development. This is meant for your information as a starting point or things to look for when you are caring for infants and toddlers who were born drug exposed. The first thing to note, there are some babies who will go through a period of withdrawal after they are born, depending on the type of drugs they were exposed to in utero, of course. This is something that will hopefully be explained to you by the hospital or doctor that they are seeing. The protocols for this will vary depending on the newborn's individual situation and depending on a variety of factors related to the specific drugs involved and level detected in their bodies. They may be placed on a medical withdrawal regimen to help wean them off the drug rather than taking them off and risk potentially dangerous consequences. You'll need to be extra vigilant in discussing the use of any over-the-counter medications with them, especially if they are doing some type of detoxification process. Also discuss this with their doctor to make sure that whatever you're giving them is safe, of course. However, something to be aware of, because I have known families that tell me, looking back, they think 
the baby was going through some type of withdrawal, but no one ever discussed it with them. But later, like 9 to 12 months down the road, they think about it and they can see the differences in the child from now and what they were like before. The symptoms could be subtle, things like sleeping a lot, difficult to wake, even for feedings, or quite the opposite, where it's difficult to get them to sleep and still difficult to also get them to take their bottles for feedings. They might seem agitated and colicky, where they might seem like they barely notice you are there, and it's more difficult to stimulate them and make them aware of their environment. Some of these symptoms that in time will improve or go away completely, although there may be some long-lasting effects as well. But when people look back about six months to a year after the baby was born, they can usually see changes. They aren't as agitated, or they might be more aware of things in their environment now. It's kind of like they've come out of their fog. During the first few months of life and up until, let's say, about one year old, you might see a lot of changes happening with their temperament and overall demeanor. There is a period of adjustment, I think within their own body and brain, where things start to clear up and they begin to show you who they are now without the effects of the drugs still in their system or immediately after they leave their system. That's a whole other show. I'm not necessarily going to get into that part today. For now, uh, let's talk about the newborn and the infant piece of things more. A lot of babies who were exposed to drugs in utero will be born preterm. There are many possible reasons for this, but just understand that in addition to the drug exposure itself, the infant could have some issues that typically come up with being born prematurely as well. Now, I've talked a lot about prematurity in the past, so I won't focus on that part today. You can review past episodes to hear more about that if you want. And some of the rest of the issues I discussed today may be partly due to prematurity and partly due to the drug exposure or combination of both. Remember that we are talking about potential brain damage or injury with these babies. I'm not saying that it will affect them forever, but it is something that we need to think about, especially early on. When you have damage or trauma to the developing brain, let me just run through my list real quick, then I will get into more details on each one. The baby can have things such as muscle tone issues, either high or low or both. Torticollis comes into play a lot, and often because of the tone differences. Visual difficulties, specifically visual processing, feeding issues, reflux and aspiration complications, sensory processing issues, of course, because we all know that this is directly related to brain function. And generally speaking, potentially slow development in all areas of development, motor skills, cognitive, language, just to name a few. Okay, so starting with tone issues, I'm sure there are specific medical reasons for this, which I will say I don't have those reasons for you. But for our purpose, I tend to focus on the fact that I see either high tone or low tone, depending on the situation. And with some babies, the tone changes between high and low, depending on the day or sometimes the moment. When a newborn has high tone, I frequently hear parents say things like, he or she is very strong, and they have really good head control for their age. 
also that they would prefer to stand rather than sit. This is usually more around the four to six month range, though. They might say they are good at straightening out their legs, which is helpful for getting their pants on to get them dressed, but not always helpful when trying to change their diaper. I know that people try to look for positives in what their babies are able to do, but being strong is not a typical characteristic of a newborn. And the thing about it is they aren't actually strong, as in super strong muscles. What is happening is they are having issues with high and low tone. This means that the tone in their muscles is helping them keep their legs straight. But in doing that, they aren't using their muscles appropriately to actually begin to build strength and develop their muscles as they should. So when this continues to happen as they grow, once the tone settles, if it eventually does, they will be left with weaker muscles because they haven't been able to use them to support themselves this whole time. There are basic stretches for their legs, arms, backs, and hips that involve helping them flex or bend at the knee and hip or whatever joint it is. I'm not going to describe all of them for you on this show, but you can um, talk to a PT or OT in your area about that if you have suspicions that it's going on. Another symptom of this is when you start holding them in an upright position, like we do with babies, to see if they will put any weight on their feet. They will have straight legs and knees and are often up on their tiptoes rather than on their flat feet. Depending on the severity of the tone issues, you may see the same thing when they're laying on their backs just playing or when they are on their tummy. It could be very difficult for them to lift their head up. This does kind of lead us into torticollis, and I'm not saying this is the reason for all torticollis issues, but one of the reasons why babies have it is due to issues with tone. If one side of their body is affected by tone, they might seemingly prefer to turn their head to one side or the other. Then it could get to the point where they really can't turn their head to the opposite side anymore because their neck muscles become shorter on the side they prefer to turn towards. And their head also gets flatter on the back and towards that side as well. This, of course, continues to reinforce the head turning to one side issue, and there are a variety of stretches for this, too. Now, sometimes you can get these stretches in in a natural way during their playtimes and daily routines. And sometimes additional stretches are recommended for this as well. As for vision, vision may be affected because of preterm birth if the baby is born early. So check for eye contact early on and watch to see if they can visually fix on a colorful toy that you hold up in front of them. Also, when they are around two to three months old, see if they can follow the toy right to left and left to right and up and down while they're lying on their back. Make sure they are able to follow it the whole way across to both sides without losing track of it. Also, just generally seeing if their eyes look like they're working together most of the time. It's not uncommon to see one eye kind of wander a little or turn in here and there when they are newborn, but if this continues, you should have their eyes checked. The other part of the vision thing is not just tracking and working together, but visual processing. 
So it's the brain and the eye communicating together. A pediatric ophthalmologist can do an eye exam and let you know how the physical parts of the eyes are working, but this is not the same as visual processing. Visual processing is how the brain interprets what your eyes are taking in and figuring out what to do with that information. This can affect things like depth perception, crossing midline visual scanning, hand-eye coordination skills, and more. You could think of it as functional vision, how you're able to get around in your environment safely using your vision. As far as feeding goes, it's not uncommon to see newborns and infants who have reflux. When the development is delayed, that sometimes correlates to the muscles inside the body also not being fully developed. And we can see increased spit-up or reflux-type symptoms if the flap that usually closes to keep the liquid from coming back up isn't strong enough to keep the liquid down. Also, some of those high and low-tone issues can come into play here as well. When the baby gets better head and neck control and gets to the point where they are starting to sit up better, this will often go away or improve significantly. The same goes for aspiration risks, especially if the child takes longer to respond to things in general. You might see them choking more or coughing and gagging when trying to take their bottles. This can put them at risk for aspirating on thin liquids where the liquid could go down to their lungs rather than to their stomach. Thickening the liquids can help slow them down so the baby has time to react and swallow it safely. You can probably figure that I'm going to talk about how babies that are born drug-exposed will potentially have issues with sensory processing. Of course, this is very common for these babies, especially in the first few months when they are going through withdrawal or just going through a time where they are coming out of the drug-induced phase. This can go either way, and I'm sure it has to do with the types of drugs they are exposed to. And when I say either way, I mean that they might have a lot of sensitivities, or the opposite, where they don't seem to react to anything, or it takes them a very long time to respond to you. If there are a lot of sensitivities, things like becoming overstimulated easily when they are held too much or in a semi-loud or a loud environment, and this could make them also fall asleep or basically shut down because of the stimulation becoming too much for their body to handle. They might cry easily or become overly scared at sudden or unexpected noises. They could be overly sensitive to movements and prefer to be held still or laying down and not being held at all rather than being held and rocked. And when you go from holding them to laying them down, they might seem scared or look anxious during the movement of that action. This could also be where they're generally cranky or seem colicky and maybe don't sleep well at night. Eating can be difficult if you have trouble getting them to calm their bodies to be able to eat. On the other side, there are some babies that seem like they're in a fog, and they might be in a drug-induced fog until they have until the drugs have left their system. Sometimes this behavior is longer lasting, although it may improve or go away completely over time. This just depends on the individual. Even after the drugs have left their body, their brains have experienced some level of damage that may or may not completely change as they develop. 
What can happen is the connections in their brain are generally slower, and it can take longer for them to respond to stimuli. For example, when you're holding the baby and talking to them, they might look at you and not smile or seem to be aware that you're even talking or cooing at them, especially early on. They might sleep a lot, and you could have a hard time waking them for feedings at night and even during the day. General development, including motor skills, cognition, language, and things like this, can be overall delayed or slow to progress due to the connections between the brain and the body being slowed down. You might notice that it takes them longer to start rolling than it should, or that they don't seem interested in toys, and they don't activate their arms and try to start batting at toys or reaching for them when they should. It can take extra effort and repetition and time to get them to start doing more things and interacting with you. You will hopefully see improvements with this over time and with a lot of practice because eventually the connections between the brain and body should start to get faster and stronger. And sometimes the sensory issues are minimal or non-existent, but it is something to consider. And if you see things going on, you need to find ways to support them and make them comfortable until they hopefully get through, especially the beginning few months. The information I've gone over today is not a complete list of possible things that you might see with babies who are born drug-exposed. Each child is individual no matter what the case is when they are born. I just hope that you will take these things into consideration when caring for a newborn or infant who has been born drug exposed. If you like the show and the work that I'm doing here, you can support me by going to my website at mymidwesttherapy.com and clicking on the Amazon links before making your next Amazon purchase. It won't cost you any more than it ever does to shop on Amazon. It's just an extra click or two on the internet before you get to start your shopping. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Mm -hmm.